Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim, and um, we're happy you're joining us today. Today's topic is a little bit uh, different than what we usually do. Um, today's topic is on um, war hero and um, star of the silver screen, Audie Murphy. He had an amazing background, and we're going to talk all about his... Um, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> we're going to talk about his background and his service <laughs> to um, to up. the uh, to the war effort during World War II, his very distinguished career in the uh, Army, and also his career in Hollywood. Uh, but before we get started with Audie Murphy... Well, let's... Hold on, Tim. You're skipping over an important part here. What? What's that? Well, what he did the this what the I thought the reason why we was doing the whole Artie Murphy thing was I read that book, The Search for Artie Murphy. Yeah, the, was he missing? No, it's about reincarnation. It's fascinating. That fascinating material. That right? was the search for Bridie Murphy. Artie Murphy is a was a war hero and a a movie star. So you didn't prepare for, okay. and you are a dumbass. I'm gonna have to go again. Get my 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 iPad real quick. <laughs> okay, you do that. <laughs> okay, well we may have to do Brady Murphy one time. That'd be an interesting topic. Um, joining me, as always, is the very uh, talented and um, mild mannered uh, uh, brown hair beauty Brandy. How are you doing, Brandy? I'm fine. How are you? How, how you get mild mannered? <laughs> <laughs> well, also joining us is the very distinguished, uh, the very honorable, the very debonair. Jesus. Uh, I don't say debonair yet. I Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm not pleased, Tim. Well, you just came back from vacation. You look a lot of, t- you look very tense. Um, I am tense. I am tense. People send me tense. I'm, I'm getting on my messages. <laughs> Move the he's past tense. I'm beyond tense. I'm past tense. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, so, what's wrong? What's wrong, Carl? I'm sitting there laying in bed with my beautiful wife. A Renee. And, uh, a shout Renee. out to Renee. Shout out to Renee. And um, we, we, we binge watching the show Nashville. Is it good? Um, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. It's a good show. Got a lot of pretty women on it. It's kind of a girl's show. Um, well, yeah, but they got some babes on there. So anyway, I don't. Call but it's it part of it's part of your southern heritage. Yeah, I like I like some country music. Yeah, I like Raina James. Yeah, and Louises. Uh, so anyway, my phone it just beep 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 beep. It's going off like crazy. Okay. So then I, I read it and I'm, I'm looking and I'm following you guys and it's like talking about taking call-ins and you're like, well, what if we get somebody crazy and okay, so you know, so down with that and then somebody says, well, my fear is we just get somebody boring that rambles on about their grandma. Okay, we so we already got one Chuck on the. Phone. Show. First of all, you're confusing many, many threads of that conversation. Okay, so for for our listening audience that doesn't know, we 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 have a thread that we we communicate with through text, through Facebook. Uh, the Colonel, uh, Brandy, and Brittany and I, and we were we're we're talking about the possible. One of our listeners, Bobby, thank you very much, Bobby, had suggested that we take live phone calls during the show and we have talked about that in the past and we were we were throwing around the idea and brandy was fear was that um crazy people would 
call in, and I said that would be a good thing because it would be entertaining. Uh, my fear was that we would have boring people, and then that's when she made a reference to you, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what? now the last time I was on here, the last podcast we had to do, I had to confront you about saying, I wish I paid you so I could fire you. <laughs> now I got to listen to the devil. I, it's, what is it See, when you write it? That's libel instead of slander. Slander my good name. Yeah. So, so you're concerned that you're not getting the love that you... Well, I feel like that appreciation. I appreciate it. Really, and you know, young Brittany not here today, and um, yeah, she's she's in Florida or she's someplace. In Florida, and and I think most of our listeners know me and young Brit carry the show. Um, and well, I don't I, think there's never been any surveys on that. Well, I didn't want it. I don't want to take a big, you know, John Travolta thing here, and you know, I want a bigger trailer, and I want this, and I want that. Still but boys. Excuse me. Nothing. But you're not I feeling say, you're not feeling appreciated. Is that is that it? I don't believe you take care of the talent on this show. Can <laughs> I don't believe well, well, if we had some, that <laughs> would be different. Well, no, you know, Colonel, I you got are people calling me. I, 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 I got people calling I, my people I, all I, the time. I know your people are in contact with a lot of people, and I know that you're a very valuable member of our team. And I'm sure that Brandy would love this opportunity to apologize if she had slighted you in any way. Brandy? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Let's start then. Let's talk about Audie Murphy. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> we okay, gave you an opportunity. So this is not the guy that's been reborn. No, no. This this is, uh, that was Br- uh, Bridie Murphy. But this is Audie Murphy. And Audie Leon Murphy was one of the most decorated American combat soldiers of World War II. Actually, he was the most decorated combat soldier of World War II. Receiving every military uh, combat Award for Valor uh, available in the U.S. Army. And he was also recognized by uh, France and Bel- Belgium for his uh, heroism. At uh, age 19. Blue. You well, know, although, how, how big a hero you got to be to get a medal in France? I don't know, man. You could probably just like. All you got to do is say, I don't surrender. I mean, you get a medal <laughs> for saying that. <laughs> Hold out for 15 minutes. Yeah, just like. Just fire three shots, you get a medal. Yeah, you're too drunk to fight. Yeah, <laughs> and they're busy uh, drinking and uh, fornicating and yeah. yeah well, it's, but anyway, we should move. Murphy ain't taking showers. Well, I don't know about that. Let's still offend our French French we listeners. Should move. We should move. Yeah. Um, so anyway, at age 19, uh, Murphy received the Medal of Honor after single-handedly holding off an entire company of German soldiers for an hour in France during a uh, campaign. I know that uh, that's uh, something that I know that you, you do probably twice a week, Colonel, but this oh. is, you know, not everyone can be you. Charlie Murphy. Well, you don't know that Audie Murphy didn't get reincarnated into the Colonel. Uh, maybe. <sighs> Murphy, he's on this reincarnation kick. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing about this story is about reincarnation. Murphy was born into a large sharecropper uh, family in Hunt County, Texas. <laughs> Please do not make me laugh when I say that. Hunt County? <laughs> Hunt County. Uh, County. <laughs> Texas. On June 20th, 1925. Hot <laughs> Murphy was born. It's this, right next to <laughs> Hagina County. <laughs> he was born. He was the seventh of 12 children um, born to Emmett. And his Emmett Murphy and his wife Jose Bell. Jose Bell. Jose Bell. Jose Bell. And daddy was married to a Jose Bell. Oh. <laughs> what the hell? Josie Bell. Josie, like Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, okay. No wonder the man was such a killing machine. Hey, come on, let's don't make fun, fun of uh, m- Mrs. Murphy. His father abandoned him, so I guess it's okay to make fun of Emmett. Remember Emmett from the uh, from Andy Griffith show, Emmett's Hardware? Remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emmett anyway. always had the right stuff. Yeah, but you know what? I like, I like Floyd better, the barber. Yeah. Cool. No, Floyd was crazy. Floyd was crazy. I don't know. I kind of liked him. He would he would give you haircuts, but I mean they got haircuts a lot. Every time you turn around, they're in his barber shop. He's yeah. got a haircut every other day. Anyway, back to Audie Murphy. Uh, the father, his father abandoned him when he was uh, young, and his mother died when he was just sixteen years old. Murphy left school in the fifth grade to go pick cotton and to help support his brothers and sisters. 
he was very skilled uh, at hunting, uh, and he needed to be because it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he put, that's why they called it Hunt County. Did he go shark hunting? I don't know, but he put food on the table for his brothers and sisters. That um, awesome. He always wanted to join the service, and um, but he was too young. Um, but later on, his sister would help him falsify documentations about his birth oh, so he could skeevy. enroll in the military. Yeah, I don't think they were uh, military in. Um, uh, in the 1940s, I don't. You know what? My dad lied about his age too, so I think they were taking anyone that just kind of come along. They would kind of it was kind of wink and a nod type of thing. But anyway, um, so Adi um, wants to get in the military. He goes to join. First, he's denied because he's underweight, and he was also that happened to me once. Uh, underweight and um, <laughs> underage. But as I said, his uh, sister um, lied about his uh, – helped him falsify documentations for him to uh, get enlisted, and that is what he did. What the hell did he do, put sand in his shoes? No, no. He was no. Under Well, but, you was know, as, as, the, as, the, as the war progressed and the U.S. needed they – tra- They didn't care. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> – they kind of lowered the standards. Uh, It'd be hard to shoot. Um, and as there, and once he, you know, he really wanted to be a soldier, and he uh, he certainly um, made the most of it, becoming the most decorated soldier in World War Two. And afterwards, he uh, enjoyed a twenty-one year acting career that we're going to talk about a little bit um, later on. But uh, Colonel. Uh, Colonel Tell us a little bit about Colonel. whatever. Tell us a little bit about uh, Murphy's career in the U.S. Army Forces during World well, War II. As you said, Timmy, he wanted to. He always wanted to be a soldier. And then those uh, those damn Japanese they attacked Pearl Harbor on my birthday. Yeah, yeah. on your birthday, and, uh, but you wasn't alive then, right? I wasn't alive yet. But, but your birthday, birthday is on your day is your your you was born on the day of infamy. Uh, it will live in infamy. Yeah. Um, the well, anyway, I'll get back to this. Now, he went to, coincidentally, Camp Walters, and then he was sent to Fort <laughs> Is that named Lee. after your great-great-grandpappy? It might have been. It might have been. I don't know. I'm going to look into that. But anyway, he, he got his military training. Yeah. Got his basic training, and he got shipped off to Casablanca. Brandy, have you ever Brian. seen the movie Casablanca? Yep. He is looking at you, kid. She is the only person in the world who's not seen that movie. You had not That's seen Casablanca. It's, it's the best what? movie ever made. What does he say at the end, then? Well, here's looking at you, kid. No. That's, all right. Well, all right. She failed. the start of a beautiful she relationship. I don't know. See, just, again, why would I know that? I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, then don't lie. She's, I didn't. I said I hadn't seen it. She's too busy on Candy Crush. Go ahead. I said I hadn't seen it. I said very clearly, no, I have not seen it. Okay, so he's he shipped shipped off the Casablanca. He runs Morocco. People are old and dead. He doesn't run into Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, because he's running around there. He's a now. He's really about twenty-one at about this time. He's at the Fifteenth Infantry Regiment in the Third Infantry Division. Regiment. Now he participated in a. As a platoon messenger with his division at Azu in Algeria, and this was very rigorous training for the Allied assault landings in Sicily. And these guys were a high risk. I mean, they were they were delivering messages, right? This is yeah. before they could just text it. Yeah, yeah, this, you couldn't. They didn't have that, the, they didn't have the cell phone. Something like fifty percent casualty rates with them, or something really high. Yeah, he was very quick. He was a very quick, skinny little guy. So I think they, the I read that the average messenger lived like a month. Or something. There you like go. Well, at that time, yeah, now, Gallipoli. Yeah, the average messenger lasted six uh, six days. Yeah, yeah, it was a very six days. Risky so anyway, segment. he gets. We're moving ahead, and he he's training to land in Sicily, and that was really the first um, U.S. invasion of Europe. Right, it was Sicily. And on the boot, not on the boot. It was on the football. Yeah. So now what? Now I'm I'm gonna keep a piece of scrap paper here because. This is really could be a college drinking game. Yes. Every time I say, Audi so, killed somebody. <laughs> killed a German. Somebody got to take a drink. <laughs> okay. All right? Okay. So we're going to keep a little tab on here, Timmy. Every time I say, so when they landed, it's, he was a division runner. Now he's out on a scouting patrol. He sees two fleeting, fleeing Italian officers. 
gone. Him. He killed, killed him. him. He killed yeah. him. So that was his first kills. In that was Sicily. his first two kills. That's okay. when he got the taste. For, that's when this man was. He was somewhere between. He he was he was a psychopath with a death wish. Was what he was. I believe. Well, I think I don't know about a psychopath, but he was certainly. I mean, that was part oh, he of. He loved it. killing. It was his love killing in his job description at the time, and he was damn good at it. Um, now he got sick for for about a week when they arrived in Palermo. Mm-hmm. So now he he joins up back up with. That's where this. Brandy's people live. Palermo. Yeah, and your family from Italy? No, no, okay. she a Mormon or something. They're from they're from the out west in the Salt Lake. <laughs> We're German. <laughs> well, who's Italian? I thought someone in your family was Italian. Uh, my husband is. Uh, well, his family's from from our own. Okay, I don't know where they're from. Can we get back to Audie Murphy? Please, please do. Do her genealogy or what? So anyway, wow. What do you get on me for? Wow. He goes right to the devil. Her genealogy, right back. To <laughs> it goes right back to the Satan. Yeah, she. It's like that Kevin uh, Kevin Bacon. She's she's only four degrees removed from Satan. So anyway, he rejoins them. This is why my dad doesn't listen. <laughs> now, it's good they, choice. They've got this hillside location to protect a machine gun placement. Mm-hmm. The Germans yeah. or the Italians? No, that's what he had to do. Oh, he had to do. That's okay. what he had to do. The Italians. Now he goes out on a scouting party along a river, and him and two other soldiers are ambushed by a machine German machine gunner, killed okay. one of the Americans. Wow! Now, that pissed him off. Oh, you cannot mess with this man. So Murphy and other survivors group, this is how they respond. Charlie Murphy. They kill five German soldiers with hand grenades and machine gun fire. So let's put five little tabs on there. Yeah, it gives us seven so far. Yeah, seven kills. Seven, yeah. He's okay. up to seven. Now, he takes part in the October Allied assault. Yeah, right by Magnano, Italy. And he, is, he and his company repelled. <laughs> I was just there last week. Right. An attack by... Seven German soldiers. He killed three. All right, so now he's up to ten kills and, and then, took four prisoners. And he's been in uh, and he's been in Europe about a week. Yeah, he's, <laughs> about, yeah, he's been <laughs> three actually, days. He's been he's been in Europe uh, truly less than four months. Okay, and he's got how many now? He's got ele- he's got he's got eleven kills. Okay, okay. He gets promoted to sergeant in December, uh, 43. Yeah, you promote that. Uh, 44, he was promoted to staff sergeant. Now, he had one weakness. His his Achilles heel was he would get malaria now and again. I hate that. So he he was hospitalized. Well, you also but, get staff infection as a staff sergeant. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. Watch out. And uh, so he couldn't participate in the initial landing at Anzio Beach. Well, it's a good thing um, for the Germans. A, a damn good thing for everybody. <laughs> She is a good thing for the fish. He'd have been shooting the seals, anything. Anything that anything that had brown on it, he'd have shot. Yes. So he, he returns to his company, and uh, he's in the first battle of Cisterna. It was made platoon sergeant of Company B. He was not the boogie-woogie bugle boy of Company B, but he was I a understand. platoon sergeant. I like yeah. that guy better. So, um, oh, how do you not like Audie Murphy? Now I he's like the boogie-woogie bugle boy better. He's taking shelter from the weather in an abandoned farmhouse out here in Anzio. Minding his business. And uh, Murphy, he, him and his platoon killed the crew of a passing German tank. Well, hell, they drove by. Well, I know. Uh, you know yeah, I don't know what else you want. Well, I think they were sleeping. It was yeah. late at night. Uh-huh. Uh, but here's how he got it. And this is why you get people that are 19 to do stuff, Timmy. Mm-hmm. So he's 19 at this time. He's 19 okay. at this time. And, and you get... People, here's what he did. He crawls out close enough. He, he just crawls out to the damn tank. Mm-hmm. Crawls out to the damn tank with a rifle grenade and uh, blew it up. Now, he got a bronze star with a V device, which is a pretty pretty significant thing. Yeah, we'll read his, uh, you'll read his uh, uh, awards all later. It's a pretty uh, impressive. Know, yeah, it's very impressive. So he... Uh, so he he's got four there, and uh, so now how many is he up to? We're we're up to, I believe we're up to eighteen right now. Okay, okay. So now he now we're at uh, now he gets a second bout of malaria. Now he's taking patrol. He after he got the V star after he blew up the tank, he kept making scouting patrols and and on these scouting patrols, he liked to just capture the Germans. 
That's he was kind of like R and R. He wasn't going to kill them, and he might not have bullets or a knife or something. Right. But he was he was he was capturing a lot of them. So anyway, now now he gets a second bout of malaria, which is a which is a weird thing to keep getting malaria in Italy because I didn't know that was a big well, big thing the, the, you know the, the war, the, yeah, the war and war Santa, and, and and this was also the 1940s, so sanitation yeah. everything wasn't as. So in 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 this time, you know, there's little skirmishes, little battles, and he got his uh, first bronze oak leaf cluster for his bronze star, and that's when American forces liberated Rome on June fourth. So Murphy stays in Rome with his platoon. Did he do as they did? Hmm? Yes, he did. No, he did not. No, <laughs> no, he did not. Um. Now he now he, now this is where he gets his distinguished service cross. This is on August 15th, during the first wave of the Allied invasion of southern France. Murphy's, he's landing at Yellow Beach, and his platoon's attacked by German soldiers making their way through a vineyard. Okay, now he's in France. Yeah, he's in France. Okay. On Yellow Beach. On Yellow Beach. Imagine that. Allied so, invasion into France. Okay, so he, he did the invasion of Sicily, he went into Rome, and now he's in, now in the invasion of southern France. Yeah. Okay. And now walking through a, a vineyard, uh, minding their own business, you know, how they're prone to. And uh, they get attacked by some German soldiers. Damn Germans. Unprovoked. Yeah. So Murphy. Obviously, was, they don't know he's got 18 kills. Yeah. Uh, he runs around. And uh, uh, the machine gunner had been detached from the squad. So Audi just runs around, grabs the machine gun, returns fire to German soldiers. Kills two of them. We're up to 20. Up to 20. Wounded one. Now, two Germans exit a house about 100 yards away, and they're appearing to surrender. Murphy's standing there with his best friend. His best friend starts to talk to him. The German son of bitches shot and killed his best friend. Well, let's say Nazi son of bitches. Nazi son of bitches? Nazis, yeah. They shot and killed him. Nazis. So, so they were trying. So he was friend was trying. Or they were trying to surrender. His friend let his guard down, and the Nazis shot his friend and killed him. There okay. was two of them, and that did two not, of them coming out of the farmhouse. Two of them out of the farmhouse is like, oh, we have Audi Murphy out there. Screw this. We just because right. you know he'll burn the farmhouse down with your family in it. So well, they're coming out, and they're like, we don't anymore. want any more right. you know trouble with you. They surrender. Right? And uh, they surrender. They're pretending to surrender, but when his best friend drops his guard, they kill him. Yeah, and that probably didn't go over very well with Audi. Well, Audi advances alone on the house under direct fire. Now, he wounded two, mm-hmm. killed six, and took 11 prisoners. Did you put six down on the thing? This is by himself. So now he's up to how he many? He took 11 prisoners. He's by himself. He yeah. wounded two, killed six, and took 11 prisoners. It gets better. He, he's one attack. He doesn't have anything with him. He doesn't have any ammo or any gun. Yeah. So he's like Bruce Lee. He's badass. Yeah. So, so he's up to how many now? Um, Colonel? One, two, three, four, five. He's up to 26. 26 killed and at least 11 prisoners of war. Uh, yeah, I'm not even keeping track of those. Okay. I, you got a bunch of drunk college kids right now. Okay. Um, now he got his he, he got he his first purple heart when he got casters hit in the heel. Whatever. Um, with a mortar shell blast in northeastern France, that's his first purple heart. His first silver star came after he killed four wounded three. Four more. Okay. Wounded three. At a German machine gun position on Octo- in October. Now, three days later, Murphy, if this wasn't a if this wasn't during wartime, he'd be a serial killer at this point. Oh yeah, it, if you made the movie Die Hard, you wouldn't it, believe it. it. Yeah, I mean, if, he's so, pretty badass. Yeah. Now he doesn't. Uh, now three days later, he's only got a radio, mm-hmm. and he just crawling right toward these Germans. You know, because the place is lousy with the Nazis. Yeah. they're all over. So he's unarmed with a radio. He's got a radio and Germany he's directing his men for an hour while the Germans just fired directly on him. So he was calling in coordinates or ordinances mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, so his men finally took the hill, killed 15 Germans. I'm not even going to give him credit for those because he killed so many. Well, but he, but he, I mean, he directed the fire. He was. Well, he did. You know what? We're going to give him credit for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, under, he was under fire from the Germans. 
as he was calling in, you know, the, the yeah. ordinance, right? Yeah, so, yeah, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's got up to 45 people now. Okay. So, he, I, I believe he's passed... Uh, Bundy. He's passed Bundy, yeah. Um, More as hell. So, he got another, for that, he got another bronze oak leaf cluster for a silver star. Now, he becomes uh, Battlefield Commission to second lieutenant. Um, that makes him platoon leader. Now, on October 26th, the, his platoon was attacked by a German sniper. Murphy captured two before being shot in the hip by a sniper. So, as Murphy was wont to do, he returned fire and hit the sniper right between the eyes. So, he's shot in the hip. Shot in the hip. He still gets the sniper. Still got the sniper. But the problem is, in that, when he got shot, it caused a partial lip partial loss of his hip muscle uh, and he got gangrene. Mm. Um, so, and now he has, he kept him out of combat till January because what the hell, he wouldn't have got injured shit, the war would be over three months early. Yeah, yeah, he um, would have marched right to Berlin. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And then he'd have turned around and marched to Stalingrad. Yep. I mean, we wouldn't have had the Cold War. Right. So anyway, Murphy gets, uh, he's he gets his bronze oak leaf cluster and his purple heart again. Now, there's a key battle in France, and it's an effort to try to dislodge these Nazis from the Colmar Pocket. It's a, oh, Colmar Pocket, sure. And, yeah. It's in the mountains, and it's been held by the German troops since November of 44. So now, January, and this is the coldest winter. I mean, it's cold as hell. January 14th, 1945, Murphy rejoins his platoon, his gangrenous hips all shot up. and But, you know, he he's back there. He's back there, so... He goes with the 3rd Division and uh, goes to the town of, of Hohwitzer, where they meet a strong German counterattack, and he the gets guy. wounded in both legs. The guy? Howitzer? Howitzer. No, there wasn't named after him, no. Now, he gets wounded in both legs, for which he gets a second bronze <laughs> oak leaf cluster for his purple heart. So this is, how many injuries is this for him? It's at least four. This is four. And two bouts of malaria. And two bouts of malaria. Okay. That could be another drinking game. Every time Audi Murphy gets shot. Or injured or gets malaria. Well, yeah, right. the flu, malaria, what are you, dengue fever? Wouldn't have killed him. So, uh... Dengue fever. Dengue. Dengue oh, fever. Okay. So, yes, Ben Gay Fever. Yeah, Ben Gay Fever. You can you can get that. That's a bitch. So now he's all of a sudden he's now he's the commander of Company B. Okay, so, so he's getting in, in promoted. Germans, yeah, as well, he goes he's along, he's getting promoted because everybody's getting killed. But uh, well, and also Germans, he's a badass. He is a badass, but the Germans. Um, now he on, on January twenty sixth, the, he's the commander, and one of his tanks gets a. Takes a direct hit from a M10 tank destroyer. The, the Nazis set it on fire. The crew has to abandon. So Murphy says, "Okay, everybody get in the woods," and everybody goes to the woods except for Murphy. Nope. Murphy stays alone at his post, shooting his M1 carbine and directing artillery fire via his field telephones, while the Germans still fire directly at his ass. He's got balls. I'm getting that. Oh yeah. He gets in the mountain. He gets into the abandoned, burning tank and begins firing his fifty caliber machine gun at the advancing Germans, killing a whole squad. Now we're gonna give him twenty five for that one. Now think about this. He tells everybody, "Get your ass out of here. Get in the woods. It's too bad." Yeah, his his men. His he tells men, his men, "Get take the cover. Hell out of here." I got this. I got this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the tanks on fire. It's got a 50 caliber. Now, you know it's got to be hotter than hell climbing up onto that tank because it's all metal. Uh-huh. And it gets up. And the damn thing's liable to explode. Yeah. The boy just had a death wish. So, uh. Yeah, well, but, I am beginning to think that the Germans that was messing with him had a death wish. Well, yeah. So, for an hour, <laughs> for an hour. Murphy stands on the tank destroyer and returns German fire from foot soldiers and tanks, killing or wounding 50 Germans. Jesus. He sustained another wound injury and stopped only after he ran out of ammunition. 
So now he goes and he runs into the woods. Ain't worried about his wound. It's like, it's just a flesh wound. I ain't worried about that. And uh, tells him, okay, let's go repel the Nazis again. But he, he insisted on re- staying with his men while his wounds were treated. And that's, well, that's what he got the Medal of Honor for. Um, so the, his whole division was awarded a presidential unit citation for that Colmar pocket battle. But um, it was really him who, yeah. I mean, he was the one that took the lead on that and turned the whole tide of that whole battle. Yeah, so he, he now, instead of second lieutenant in February, he gets promoted to first lieutenant. Um, and he was moved to the front lines to the regimental headquarters and made a liaison officer. Yeah. And, you know, um, again, you know, there's opportunities for people. And I mean, remember, he left school in the fifth grade and now he here he is an officer in the United States Army. So I, there is not a medal. And here's where we get into his medals. There is he's got 19 medals total. But that doesn't really count. Um, his Purple Heart, he's got three of those. The Bronze Star, he's got two of those. The Silver Star, he's got two of those. Every medal it, you can win. He won. And pl- he won. Plus all the victory medals. Of the, yeah, and the know. victory medals. So uh, And he got medals, like I said, from France, from Belgium. Yeah. So he, he's getting them from, hell, hell, the Nazis damn near gave him a medal. They were like, shit, just quit killing us and we'll give you a hundred cross. <laughs> So now he's moved to regimental headquarters and some inquiries were made through official channels about the prospect of Murphy attending West Point upon his return. But he never enrolled. Yeah, I remember he just had a fifth grade education. and Yeah. And, you know, uh, obviously he was an amazing soldier. But I think probably that the academic requirements probably scared him off of West Point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was not fit to be. You know, West Point, he was he was out. You couldn't kill people at West Point. Yeah, he was a hell of a soldier. So he gets, he's ordered to report to Fort Sam Houston in June of 1945. Um, they had parades, banquets, speeches. So um, he becomes quite a celebrity. Yeah, he received a belated good conduct medal um, in August that year. He just like put it with the rest of them. He was discharged with the rank of first lieutenant at 50% disability classification. Um, because, shit, he had his hip shot off, been shot in the legs. And malaria, um, shot in the head, um, the heel. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the division he was in after after the war reverted back to the Texas Army National Guard. Um, now, when the Korean War started in 1950, he, began a, he started his second military career and was commissioned as captain in the 36th Infantry Division of the Texas Army National Guard. And what he did was he drilled new recruits, drilled new recruits in a summer training camp. And he was There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Only at this point, this when Korean War broke out, he was... He's still young. He's only 25 at that point. He did all yeah, he all was, this before he was... Yeah, you know, he's 25. This, he's been shot up. He's... Uh, beginning a second military career. Yeah, he he wanted to join the fighting. Um, in Korea. In Korea. Uh, but he was not allowed. And, and this is a time he's starting to... Uh, he wanted to join the fighting and he was... his. This one he started his film career. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 36th infantry or infantry that he was in was never sent to Korea. 
And they were using him. I mean, they not using him, but they was, they, they were utilizing him in a way to recruit. He was a propaganda machine. I mean, yeah, exactly. Murphy, yeah, I mean, he was the all American hero, right? He was, he was, and that gave him opportunities with um, the film industry. Yeah. So he, nineteen fifty one, he asked for his uh, his to be put on uh, inactive status. So he goes and makes some films with MGM Studios. He returns to active status in 1955. He was promoted to the rank of major by the Texas Army National Guard in 56. Returned to inactive status in 57. Um, In 1969 was his official separation from the Guard. So he was in, he was involved in military for 26 years? No, 28 years. No, when he, yeah, about 20, yeah. 20, when you're 69, 25 years. 25 yeah, but, years but they, they transferred him to the U.S. Army Reserve, and he remained with them until... Um, Hell, he's almost ready to fight Vietnam at that point. Damn near. Now, here's where it gets into... Operation Desert uh, Storm next. Uh, <laughs> Almost up to Operation Desert Storm. Now. I know he's he, in Afghanistan. Yeah, he's this son of a bitch out, be out fighting. He's probably out there fighting ISIS right now. Um, but anyway, a very distinguished career. A very distinguished career, but it did take its toll on him. Um, Post traumatic stress. Yeah, he he he. Ever since his military service, he was plagued with insomnia, bouts of depression. He slept with a loaded pistol under his pillow. Um, had headaches, vomiting. Is that, is that weird? Nightmare, nightmares about his war service. Um, he took sleeping pills to stop nightmares. Um, you know, so it, it, it kind of goes to show it was post-traumatic stress before. No matter how brave you were at the time, it takes its toll on you. I yeah. mean, it, it, and it took its toll on him. And it's um, and now, and he was a moody man by nature anyway. Um, but the uh, post-traumatic stress levels and and Placidil, he became addicted to Placidil. Um, locked himself in a hotel room for a week to break the addiction. That's badass too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Placidil ain't none to mess with. So, so, so all of this, all of this amazing story, and we haven't even talked about his career in. Motion pictures. Well, and here's just a couple more Chuck interesting things about about the war. Chuck one none. Um, what he he was kind of a moody guy. He's he was an emotional guy, you know. After this, and and all the things he did, his wife came in Wanda Hendricks and and said one time he held her at gunpoint, mm-hmm. um, and she said she also seen him just break down and break down and cry over newsreel footage of German war orphans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, wasn't like this guy was, was you know, uh, you know, I joked around about him being a psychopath, but... He, he had a lot, of, a lot of emotional damage. Yeah, I think, and, and I think, I think that, told, you know, anybody that... And, and they, they kind of learned this from, um, from a lot of the... They, they learned from World War Two and World War One. you know, the term shell shock. Right. Or battle fatigue, you know. He he probably had both of them. Well, it, but it sounds like it was more post-traumatic stress, right? Because, I mean, he dealt yeah. with it later on. Yeah, later he had, on he had post-traumatic he had stress. Um, but they used to call it battle fatigue. Right. Um, and shell shock. Um, and, and he started, um, actually started calling on the government to look at and study the emotional impact of combat experience and to extend healthcare benefits to war veterans. And as a result of that, um, U.S. Congressman Alan Teague, five months after Murphy's death, um, did introduce legislation. And there's an Audi Murphy VA hospital in San Antonio now that's part of the South Texas Veterans Healthcare System. So he, he you know, became a very, very troubled man. After he was he was a hero, he made his movies. He became famous. He, you know, he we look at him, but you know, life was not good for him. Yeah, you know, he struggled after the war, and and I think that's what what one of the things they learned from World War Two and World War One, and and one of the things we're really we're running into now um, with our veterans coming home from Afghanistan, Iraq. 
um, with these redeployments is that they studied, they did some studies, and they figured that you, a person can only take intense stress for about a period of 13 months. They needed a study um, for that? That that's what they figured the breaking point was, which was which was the reason a tour of duty in Vietnam was was only twelve months if you were drafted. Um, but you know, unlike Vietnam, you know we're, we're we're getting off track, but we're fighting a different war over there where these guys are never safe. Well, you know, they're never safe. They're always tense. They're you know you hear, you hear the war, horrors of uh, World War One and the trench warfare. Yeah. Do you know how long those guys were? You know how often those guys were rotated out? Oh, every thirty days. Yeah. So you you think of you know I always thought well those guys are there for years and mm-hmm. but they rotated them out frequently. It was just horrific. No one could stand you know, the intense uh, shelling and and I was on and I'll tell you uh, just a side note, an interesting story. I me and uh, we was up in up in Michigan. Um, we're coming home. We stop at a restaurant to eat, and we got Rudy with us. So they got a little patio outside. Your dog, Rudy. Rudy, brave Rudy. And I see this man sitting with his wife, and he has a veteran's hat on, and it says World War II. And, you know, I just said to him, sir, did you fight in World War II? And he said, yeah, I fought under Patton. And I said, no kidding. And he he fought, Mm. um, you know, in, in uh, in the mountains, and... He had just been um, moved out for seven days from the front lines. Seven days from the front lines mm-hmm. when the Battle of the Bulge occurred. Wow! And they said he he he, he said he this man was eighty nine years old. Um, just a, a fascinating story. He'd been with Patton. He he got moved to Patton later on. He'd been in uh, Africa. Yeah, um, been down through Italy. He was, uh, you know, and, and the man was eighty nine years old talking about this. And um, yeah, so the, and the sad thing is, those guys and, are, you know, they're dying off. They're and you know, this guy, he told me he was eighty nine years old. Timmy, if you would have told me he was sixty nine, I would have believed you. And, mm. uh, but but it's the greatest generation. But they did get rotated out, and, mm-hmm. and and I think you know one of the things that I know we're on Audi Murphy, but one of the things that the problem that we have now is they got rotated out. If you weren't on the front lines, you really weren't in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys that are over here that we have in Afghanistan and that we had in Iraq, and there was never a moment when they were not in danger. There was never a front line that they could move back from. Well, yeah. I mean, to the same extent, Vietnam as well. I mean, you're, you're dealing yeah. with guerrilla warfare. You, yeah. never know who, you never know who is... Uh, who the enemy and now we're seeing now and now we're what we're seeing is is just this epidemic of men coming home uh, women too um mm-hmm. committing suicide yeah they can't deal with it yeah and it's, it's an epidemic and, it, and Audi murphy is a good example of um you know look at look at the things this man did they were unbelievably brave just unbelievably brave so it is not weakness that makes you come home and have post-traumatic stress. Right. You know, it's not a weakness. This man could do anything. Well, you said we home. named, you know, jokingly named all of his injuries. And mm-hmm. the most serious injury was the psychological damage yeah. that was done. Oh, absolutely. Him. Absolutely. But let's talk about his uh, film career, Brandy, because that was pretty distinguished, too. Oh, and I had a concern we were going to turn into an after-school special. Santa Hurts talking about all that. What's that? Nothing. Just talk. Just tell us about the movie. She was afraid we were going to be Oprah. Go ahead. Dr. Phil. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Mr. Murphy had an acting career that spanned from 48, 1948 to 1969. He made more than 40 feature films and, and one television series. Yeah, so he parlayed this, uh, his recognition and, um, you know, his the, the um, accolades that he justly deserved um, the st- film studios picked up on it and gave him an opportunity to... James Cagney got, saw him. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, you dirty rat. He actually saw the um, July 16, 1945 issue of Life that depicted Murphy as the most decorated soldier, and he brought him to Hollywood. I love James Cagney. Well, Cagney and his brother William signed him as a contract player for their production company, 
And then they trained him. They gave him acting lessons, voice and dance lessons. Um, they never cast Murphy in a movie. And they had some kind of personal disagreement with him that ended the association in 1947. Um, Murphy later worked with acting Murphy coach. Murphy killed him. That's probably, I, you know. Killed a producer or something. No, he did not kill anybody. <laughs> Murphy later worked uh, with acting coach Estelle Harmon and honed his diction by reciting dialogue from William Shakespeare and William Soroyan. Yeah, the thing about um, Murphy was he, he he wrote a lot of poetry. People don't know poetry and um, and songs too, song lyrics. Which is which is kind of an interesting thing because he didn't have a big high. He was a very intelligent man, mm -hmm. but he had a fifth grade education. Not much of an education. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Murphy moved into Terry Hunt's athletic club club in Hollywood, where he Another lived. Another Hunt. Where he lived until 1948. Can't swing a dead cat without hitting a hunter. Without hitting a hunter around here. Hollywood director David Speck McClure befriended Murphy and collaborated with, collaborated with him on Murphy's 1949 book, To Hell and Back. Yeah, which was a bestseller. <clears throat> McClure used his connections to get Murphy a $500 bit part in Texas, Brooklyn, and Heaven. The agent of Wanda Hendricks, whom he'd been dating since 1946, got him a bit part in the 1948 Alan Ladd film, Beyond Glory, directed by John Farrow. The John Farrow? The John Farrow. Mia's dad. Mm -hmm. In 1949, his 1949 film, Bad Boy, gave him his first leading role. The film's financial backers refused to bankroll the project unless Murphy was given the lead. Damn straight. Thus, allied artists put aside their reservations about using an inexperienced actor and gave him the starring role. Universal Studios signed Murphy to a seven-year studio contract at $2,500 a week, which was a huge Yeah, it was a lot of money, money back then. Yeah, going from a soldier's salary to... Right. His first film for them was as Billy the Kid in The Kid from Texas in 1950, and he wrapped up that year making Sierra starring Wanda Hendricks, who by that time had become his wife, and Kansas Raiders as outlaw Jesse James. Universal lent him to MGM in 1951 at a salary of $25,000 to pay the to play the lead role of the youth in Red Badge of Courage directed by John Huston Angelica's death. Murphy and Huston worked together again <clears throat> in the 1960 film The Unforgiven later redone by Clint Eastwood. The only film Murphy made in 1952 was The Duel was The Duel at Silver Creek with director Don Siegel. Murphy worked with Siegel one more time in 1958 for the gun, for the Gunrunners. In 1953, he starred in Frederick de, de Cordova's Column South and played Jim Harvey in Nathan Duran's Tumbleweed, an adaptation of Kenneth Perkins' novel Three Were Renegades. Ugh. Director Nathan Duran also directed Gunsmoke and Drums Across the River, George Marshall directed Murphy in the 1954 Destry, a remake of Destry Rides Again, based on a character created by author Max Brand. Although Murphy was initially reluctant to appear as himself in To Helen Back, the 1955 adaptation of his book directed by Jesse Hibbs, he eventually agreed. It became the biggest hit in the history of Universal Studios at the time. To help publicize the release of the film, he made guest appearances on television shows such as What's My Line, Toast of the Town, and Colgate Comedy Hour. I love the Colgate Comedy Hour. Oh, oh yeah. I get it on Netflix. I stream it. Yeah. The Hibbs-Murphy team proved so successful in To Hell and Back that the two worked together on five subsequent films. The partnership re resulted in the 1956 western Walk the Proud Land, and non-Westerns, Joe Butterfly, and The World in My Corner. They worked together for the last time in the 1958 Western, Ride a Crooked Trail. So he did most, I mean, he did mostly Westerns, but he did some other stuff, Looks too. Looks like it, war films and Westerns. Yeah, mm -hmm. And, and un, un, Unforgiven, um, and I don't think they did it in the first one, but uh, kind of describes Audi Murphy, Will, Will Mooney, um, when uh, the guy says, you be Will Mooney out of Missouri, killer of women and children, and he, if you're changed as the Nazis, he says, uh, that's right, I've killed women and children. 
I kill just about everything that walks a crawl at one time or another. And now I'm here to kill you. Nice. Great quote from a movie. I really like that film. Okay, so he had a very distinguished um, movie career. Yes. Do you have anything else to add? Yes. Okay, please proceed. Joseph Mana, I don't know, hired Murphy to pay the titular, titular role, titular. Hey, <laughs> Was that Knoxville? <laughs> no. In Shark Hunter. Shark Hunter. <laughs> In the 1958 film, The Quiet American. Oh, you ever seen the movie The Quiet American? No. It's really good. It's uh, I can't think who's in it. It's, it's a Viet, It's about Vietnam. It's really good. Anyway, Murphy that. formed a partnership with Harry Joe Brown to make three films, starting with The Guns of Fort Petticoat. Fort Petticoat. The partnership fell into disagreement over the two remaining projects, and Brown filed suit against Murphy. Murphy featured in three westerns in 1959. He starred opposite Sandra Dee in The Wild and the Innocent, collaborated as an uncredited co-producer with Walter Marish. Marish on the black and white cast along shadow and performed as a hired killer in no name on the bullet, a film that was well received by critics. Thelma Ritter was his co-star in 1960 in the 1960 star time television episode, the man during the early 1960s, Murphy donated his time and otherwise lent his name and image for three episodes of the big picture television series produced by the United States army. He received the 1960 outstanding civilian service medal for his cooperation in the episode of Broken Bridge, which featured his visits to military installations in Germany, Italy, Turkey, and the U.S. state of New Mexico to showcase the military's latest weaponry. Writer Claire Hoffaker wrote the 1961 screenplay for Murphy's films Seven Ways from Sundown and Posse from Hell. Willard Willingham and his wife Mary Willingham befriended Murphy in his early days in Hollywood and worked with him on a number of projects. Willard was a producer on Murphy's 1961 television series, Whispering Smith, and co-wrote this... Whispering what? Smith. Smith? Smith. Oh, Smith. Damn, enunciate, woman. I said Michael, Michael Caine was in The Quiet American, in 2002 movie. It was really good. Uh, let's see. And Quiet. co-wrote the screenplay for Battle uh, at Bloody Beach that year. He collaborated on Bullet for a Bad Man... And in 1964, in 1964, in Arizona Raiders in 1965, the Willinghams as a team wrote the screenplay for Gunproof, as well as the script for Murphy's last starring lead in a Western, 40 Guns to Apache Pass, in 1967. That's racist. Murphy made Trunk to Cairo in Israel in 1966. He first met director Bud... Trunk Cairo. Yeah, that's what Donald I said. Trump was in power. I guess he Donald was. Trump built the Sphinx. <clears throat> he did. He raised the pyramids. He did. He first Put a wall met on it. Bo. He built the big wall out there. Doesn't let it. He first met met director Bud. But I don't know when Murphy requ- <laughs> requested to be his boss. See, this is why I'm saying I need to bring in an efficiency expert for these podcasts. I don't know how to say those names. They're- well, then when you read the script, just say, "Okay, I'm not going to say that name. I'm going to cross it out okay. and say some director I, no one knows." You don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'm bringing in an efficiency you know, expert he, consultant. He, he I'm bringing a, in a consultant. Read the damn script before you get here, woman. Now you see me. I'm professionally prepared. I, I'm a professional. I doodles. I, I, I am prepared. So I'm bringing I'm, in a consultant. Zip it. It's just hard to be a professional amongst amateurs. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I know the feeling. Believe me. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brandy. Please proceed. I'm going to strike. <laughs> if you get any five words, well, you just need some coaching. That's all. Yeah, you need some long words in there. You need help with. Just point them out to me. I'll, I'll tell you what they say. Murphy married Wanda Hendricks on January 8, 1949, and their divorce became final on April 19, 1951. What did he do four days later, Randy? He married his airline stewardess, Pamela Archer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had two sons with her, Terry Michael Murphy 
and James Shannon, Skipper Murphy. Terry he, Murphy. He, he wrote it. Wildfire. Yeah. Yeah, Wildfire. The song Wildfire. Wildfire. <laughs> he died in a burning frost. No, he died in a bit a bitter frost. Bitter but it came a bitter frost. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I'm thinking about the Unforgiven, and, and, and there's another quote in that, and it makes me think of when Timmy leaves his house. Now, and I, can you picture Timmy? I think he says this every time he leaves his house. This is Clint Eastwood when he's leaving, and he says, all right, now, I'm coming out. Any man I see out there, I'm, and this is just Timmy leaving his apartment before he comes to work. Any man I see out there, I'm going to kill him. Any some bitch takes a shot at me, I'm not only going to kill him, I'm going to kill his wife, all his friends, and burn his house down. Yep, pretty much covers it. <laughs> Could Timmy a little he stands on his balcony to, and declares Timmy it. Timmy is a little yeah. when he comes to work. Now, you like got Benito Mussolini on my balcony. <laughs> all right, go ahead, Brandy. Please continue. Are you done? We're only in our fourth hour of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I'm done or not. I'm just going to keep reading until you tell me to stop. Oh, uh, actually, I was. Uh, I had that part, but... In the go. Okay. So, uh, after divorcing uh, Wanda Hendricks, four days later... Did I just say this? Yeah. I, I just said this part. Audie Murphy married airline stewardess Pamela Archer. All right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No way. Oh, Audie. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. So, anyway. I wonder he, if the kids were conceived in the Mile High Club. Okay. So, he had, no, he had two kids. I Terry, Michael Murphy, hmm? and... So you just got dismissed? No. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon. Uh, James Shannon Skipper Murphy. See, when you, you, you don't want the nickname Skipper. You're a no. Skippy. You know? Never going to get laid. You're never going to get laid if you're, you're known as Skippy. You want to be a Skipper or a Scooter or yeah. a Booger. Yeah. Or Spider. No, you don't. <laughs> Skipper. Uh, be a Skipper. If you have your choice between Skipper and Burger, be, be a Skipper. Oh, yeah. sure. Okay, anyway. Okay. So Murphy started, after his uh, film career, he started breeding uh, quarter horses. Well, I don't know if he did it personally, but they bred. Uh, they had a, Him and his wife had a ranch in Menifee, California. Um, his, uh, no, I'm sorry, Menifee. Yeah, Menifee, California, and also in Arizona. Uh, his horses raced at the Del Mar racetrack, and he invested large sums of money into his hobby. He also had a bad gambling habit, uh, so his finances were in a pretty bad state. Uh, he states in 1968 he lost uh, $260,000 in an Algerian oil deal. Uh, Algerian prince? Yeah, he must have got one of those. He fell for that email. Yeah, scam. he fell for the email scammer. And then he got in uh, over his head with the IRS. Now, I'm saying if he gets in the IRS, you just say, all right, we'll, we'll call it even. Audie Murphy owes you money. You could go through Germany and kill every damn Nazi in the world, but you don't want to. <laughs> but the IRS is going to Oh, yeah, the IRS is going to come after. Okay. So, anyway, uh, but in spite of his financial difficulties, um, he uh, Murphy refused to. He had a lot of offers to do commercials, but he refused to do uh, commercials for alcohol or cigarettes, uh, because of the influence it would have on young people. You did do a couple of hemorrhoids. I don't know about that, but uh, reverse mortgage. So good. No, I'm just kidding. On May 28th of 1971, Murphy was tragically killed in a plane plane crash in which he was a a passenger. uh, It happened at Brush Mountain. The plane crashed into the mountain uh, in Catawaw, Virginia. It's 20 miles west of Roanoke. Uh, it was raining, cloudy, fog, and there was zero uh, visibility. The, pa- the pilot and four other passengers were also killed. Uh, and the four other passengers was the big bop of butterfly. No, it was not. <laughs> no, it was not. But anyway, the aircraft was finally recovered. Uh, that was on May 28, 1971. Three days later, the aircraft was uh, recovered. Well, he was pretty old by then. <laughs> well, no. He was so it was only, time. He was only 50. I mean, yeah, he was 51. 51. No, he hadn't won 50 yet. Um, after he died, Pamela Murphy moved into a small apartment and got a she, uh, got a clerk position at the Veterans Administration Hospital in Los Angeles, where she remained employed for 35 years. She probably got a she probably got punch and cake when she retired. I would think she might have. On June 7, 1971, Murphy was buried with full military honors at the Arlington I National. Hope so. Yeah, full uh, military honors at the Arlington National Cemetery. In attendance was the ambassador to the United Nations, George Herbert Walker Bush, Army Chief of Staff William Westmoreland, uh, uh-huh. as well as many um, members of the Third Infantry Division that served with Murphy. 
I his, have seen his grave. I was going to say, his gravesite is uh, the second most popular grave at mm-hmm. Arlington Memorial uh, uh, Cemetery next to uh, President Kennedy. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. It's the second one. Um, the headstones uh, at Arlington Cemetery, the headstones and Medal of Honor winners uh, buried there are normally decorated with gold leaves. Uh, however, Murphy requested that his stone remain plain um, like any other ordinary soldier, so his wish was honored. The headstone has his date of birth as 1924, which is incorrect. He, he was born in 1925, but remember they falsified his records to get him in to change his age so he could join. So they went with that record. Uh, In 1974, a large granite marker was erected just off of the Appalachian Trail in Virginia where the crash site occurred. Well, you know, I never get... He also... always got to put up something big where you get killed. I always always tell my kids, you know what, if if my car ever goes straight into a telephone pole and I get mangled, don't decorate the damn telephone pole. What do you think that they do? Like, I've been to, you know what I didn't notice when I went to um, Graceland? I didn't see no marker by the toilet for Elvis. Yeah. yeah. They didn't put no flowers, nah. no teddy bears, nah. no nothing. Nothing. Incon- uh, inconsiderate. But anyway, um, Murphy was bestowed the uh, Texas Legislator Medal of Honor in 2013, and he also has a Hollywood. Walk of Fame, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in Hollywood, California. So that's the incredible life of Audie Murphy. Brandy, do you have any final thoughts on Mr. Murphy? No. He's a badass, don't you think? He is a badass. Uh, Colonel, I know you've won several Medal of Honors yourself. Well, no. No, that belittles every other Medal of Honor. I have one Medal. You have a Lifetime Achievement Award for podcasting. I have the yeah, I do have the podcasting lifetime achievement award. I got a uh, you got a Razzie I got a couple once. commendations from for bravery from uh, you got a couple certificates of attendance. So I got yeah, <laughs> I had one year I had perfect attendance. Um, Second grade. It was. It was going to say you've been out for like a month. I don't know if you're going to you're going to achieve that 2015. Um, but I. Uh, I, he was just a, he was an amazing man because he he was such a uh, ordinary yeah he was so ordinary and then so extraordinary and then so humble um, uh, it just shows what war and killing people takes its toll it takes its toll on you it's, yeah. it's, um, he had an incredible life I mean to uh, I mean if it had only been his his military career that would have been amazing but then to come back and have another whole career in, in the movies and film um got a whole a lot out of his uh 40 some years on, on the earth 44 years yeah i think he was uh he was there was only one Audie murphy i think if napoleon would have had him he would have won at waterloo because he would have just carried a tank out one of those little cannons out everywhere he went just yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty badass. You, you had a if you had a whole platoon of uh, Audie Murphys, you'd be in pretty good shape. I guess he was forty six when he died. Forty six when he died. Okay, so that wraps up another. It does not wrap it up. Okay, we have not done our shout out to Dottie Scott. Okay, no, we have not, Miss okay. Scott. We are hoping you have a lovely day. And a speedy recovery. And a speedy recovery, yes. And we want to do a shout-out to Tommy, who suggested we do a live call-in show. Tommy, That's Bobby. Bobby. Bobby, Bobby yeah. the Fix-It Guy. Oh, Bobby the Fix-It Guy. Thank Bobby you, Bobby. Bobby guy. And uh, who else? Renee, the lovely Renee. Um, we would do a shout-out to Renee. We, well, let's, you know, well, let's do a shout-out to young Brittany and see if she listens to the show. Okay, there's no vacation. chance in hell she's listening to this while she's on vacation. I bet she does. Okay, we'll see. I Brittany, if does. you're listening, uh, text us. And we, we, it, was, it was a very uh, funny picture of her with her father with the uh, starfish on <laughs> Yeah, that was good. Brittany's taking some funny vacation photos and sending them to us. Unlike the colonel who did not post very many po- pictures from his we vacation. He posted that one where he was fat. Oh, yeah. That was bad. No, I think Tanner did that. Logan did Logan that. Did, yeah. He was like, ooh, check it out. The old, the you old did look really bad in that, that dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where can people find us, colonel? People can find us on historydweeb.com. Um, they can go to the Facebook and look up History Dweeb. But more importantly, and most importantly... 
um, go to go to iTunes and search for History Dweeb. Our whole catalog, back catalog, is on there. Yep. Listen so to our entire collection. And you can subscribe. Collection. You can subscribe to our channel. I think we have like 40, show. 45 shows mm-hmm. on there now. So it's a lot. We have, uh, and, and I would like to mention that I will occasionally make the joke about Canada. Yes. Um, that I think that Canada, you know, if I was ever president, the first thing I'd do is drop a bomb on Canada, just teach them a lesson. But you would not do that because we um, admire Canada. Well, the reason I, I say things about Canada is it's just jealousy. Yeah, it's a great country. You look at Canada and you think, you know what, if Thomas Jefferson and all those guys were sitting around today and said, this is what we wanted it to be, it would be Canada. Yeah, over here, over here. Over here, yeah. Yeah, Canada is a great country, and we have a lot of listeners in Canada. Thank you for uh, tuning in. And like the Colonel said, if you're tuning in on iTunes, please uh, subscribe and leave, leave us a review. as how other people find us. And until next time... We'll see you again on History Dweebs. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.